Greetings, and welcome to Unsupervised Learning. I'm Daniel Meisler, and this show explores the intersection of security, technology, and society, and thinks about what might be coming next. Every Monday, there's a news and analysis episode that condenses 5 to 20 hours of reading and analysis into a 15-minute summary, as well as regular essays, interviews, and book reviews that cover specific topics. The goal is to give you a concise, curated update on the most interesting things happening in the world, and to explore ideas that give you something to think about and prepare you for what's coming next. In this standalone episode, we have a sponsored lunch interview. This is a series where we emulate a first-time business lunch with a vendor slash entrepreneur, where you can hear the pitch and ask all your basic questions about the offering. It's a sponsored interview, so I'm not going to go on the attack or anything, but I don't really do that in real life anyway. So what you hear is exactly the type of conversation I would have with someone in real life during a 30-minute lunch chat where I'm hearing about the solution for the first time. In this conversation, we cover the basic problem they're trying to solve, how their tech is similar and different to something like fail-to-ban, how they leverage the crowd, and what they're ultimately trying to build towards. So with that, here's a lunch conversation with Philippe Hemieu of CrowdSec. Yeah, thanks for taking the time. So we're doing this series essentially as if we're kind of hearing the pitch for the first time at like a lunch kind of situation, which uh, I haven't had many business lunches in like the last year and a half, but I remember when we used to. Um, so just, just you know, uh, I'm a bit astray from the main topic here, but uh, thanks a lot, like really fundamentally, because you were the first, you know, bump in the curve of, the, of adoption. You, you generated the first, you know, major uh, uh, kick into this uh, community thing in US, and I really wanted to personally thank you for that. Yeah, you're welcome. I, I really uh, like what I've heard. Uh, but for the benefit of listeners, if we're just sitting down, we're pretending that we don't know each other. Um, sure. But yeah, I, I do know a decent amount about you and the company. But if we're just sitting down at lunch, could you tell us about yourself and about the tool? Yeah, sure, absolutely. So I'm Philippe, CEO of CrowdSec. And um, the, about myself, well, I used to be a pen tester. Like uh, it was something like 20 years ago. I started 25 years or no, 20 years ago, I started my career as a pen tester. Red team pen test, you know, the fun side of the thing. Um, but actually, as such, it was not so much paying itself off, specifically 20 years ago. Um, people were not really ready to invest in this, and they didn't really understand why in the first place, you know, test themselves. It was very scary for them. So we needed to have some kind of recurring business, you know, to, to kickstart the company. And I decided to have some hosting uh, aside from that, and obviously, like, secure hosting as much as we could. And um, further on, you know, further, faster in time, it brought us in 2014, oops, sorry, 2014, launching uh, the first secure cloud, um, like really secure cloud in Europe, I would say, like something really strongly focused on having different layers of uh, protection to avoid being compromised. It worked pretty well, but it was a lot of hurdles, you know, to put your site in production to take something like two months uh, because there were so many things to set up and fine-tune and organize and all. So I sold this company um, for a decent amount of money, but decided you know the show was not over by far. 
what we've done in this company, we could do better. Actually, a simpler product that would actually get people together mm -hmm. uh, to work together in a collaborative way while still defending themselves, one, uh, um, each of them, one by one. You know? mm -hmm. So this is what we're doing. Okay. So, uh, so I came to you, essentially, when I saw the tool, I was thinking, okay, fail to ban had kind of lived its life and uh, done a lot for the community. And then I saw your product, which essentially does fail to ban like stuff. And it does it, I would say, in a more modern and elegant way. But the more I talked to you guys, the more it was clear that you were building a platform that did lots of things, not just like one use case. So what other kind of problems does the tool solve other than just like blocking SSH attempts that are malicious? No, no, you're right. I mean, so first of all, a, a great thank to Fake to Ban's team and uh, everyone that partook in this adventure because they helped, you know, make this internet safer already as we know it. And it's already a great stuff that they did. Uh, but the, the software was born 16 years ago. It was coded in Python by then. Yeah. Uh, now. Uh, so it's not extremely uh, fast, neither. So um, uh, it's monolithic. You know, you have to detect and block pretty much in the same place. There are things that fail to bend it, but that are not so much relevant nowadays, I would say. Um, so we said, okay, the behavior part is really smart. Like blocking uh, based on what you see in the logs is really smart. Like pretty much everything leaves logs nowadays, your car, your microwave oven, your phone, apps, servers, services, planes, you name it, everything, mm -hmm. your TV. And within those logs, we can find tons of things like, you know, scanners, port scan, web scan. We can find people trying to credential, uh, uh, brute force your credential or credential stuff your website, for example, reusing credentials mm -hmm. or do stuffing or whatever. I mean, pretty much every behavior leaves trace. And um, based on that, we decided that we would write scenarios pretty simple, make an inference engine very quick, very fast inference engine. And when we find something, we then get this IP that has been aggressive to someone we curate the signal to be sure that it's not a false positive or poisoning attempt, right? And so once we're sure about the fact that is this IP is really bad and should be known from the community, we send it as a block list to every and all instances using CrowdSec. All of this then is for free. It's open source and for free. So as long as you install the product and share the signals with us, in return, you get this global swarm CTI for free, as well as kind of a 2021 on steroid fail to ban thing. And the way we make money around it is with a SaaS platform. So we are creating a gold mine here mm -hmm. with all rogue IPs in the world, and people can query it wherever they are, whatever they do. They could use it in their SOX uh, uh, environment, in their SecOps environment. They can enrich their SIM system. They can you know, query the database before accepting a connection, I don't know, on an IoT device, for example, that cannot do smart security. But that can still, you know, ask if whether it's smart or not to peer with this IP that I don't know about, right? So this is, you're right, this is a platform. This is more of a meta-exploit of defense, if you want, mm, than a fail to Meta-exploit of defense, interesting. Yeah, I like that. Um, okay, so, and how, I guess, obviously with no secret sauce, but like, how are you validating if someone is poisoning? Like, you just checking to see if you see it elsewhere? Yeah, well, you know, first of all, it was told to us, you know, we don't like so much the fact that this uh, uh, consensus of yours is closed source. You know, everything is close, is open source at our place, except this part that is closed source. It's not that we want to have it closed source. 
It's just that we felt like it's evolving so fast, this algorithm, we're working on it constantly day in day out, that it was not dry enough to open source it. Because a line of code that you open source has to be coded like three times, really, like with documentation and environments and dependencies and stuff. So it was not dry enough. And since um, we really love the content you're doing, Dan, I'm going to give you a, an exclusivity here. We will open source this part as well. I mean, it's not yet there now, tomorrow. But there, as, as soon as we can, we will open source it so that people can see how it works, partake into it, make the recipe even better. So it's not about like having a secret recipe. Already. So what we do so far is the following. We have a trust rank system. So everyone joining the network is given a note, a rank, right? So if you just stepped yesterday into the network, we don't trust you yet, right? Mm -hmm. uh, but maybe in six months from now, if you've done a good job and reported accurate signals that we could confront and corroborate, and that we are 100% sure that you're not poisoned us, you didn't try to poison us before, then we would start to trust you, trust your signals, and you would become a validator of the whole network. So. You, know, you tell me, what if, and I harness the power of thousands of machines, and I take time to silently, secretly uh, listen and, uh, and be part of the network, and six months after, all of a sudden, or mm -hmm. North Korea, or Afghanistan, whomever, yeah. right? Uh, I start to uh, poison you. Well, we know that your IPs work like cohorts, right? You may be registered around the same time. Maybe you have the same technological profile. Maybe you send us the same alerts and stuff. So... We know that those machines are related to one another, right? And if one machine or several of those machines at the same time starts uh, spamming f full signals, they will lose extremely quickly their trust rank. And on top of that, not just them, but all the cohort within them um, that they belong to, sorry. So the second thing is we have a whitelist system. You're not allowed to block something like, I don't know, Akamai, Cloudflare, Microsoft Today, Google Boot, Google Mail, you name it. You know, those IPs, they are, they are clean already. Mm -hmm. Like 99.99999% of the time, they are clean. And second, even though they would have a problem at some point in time, you wouldn't, block, you wouldn't want to block like Cloudflare or, I don't know, like uh, Google Boot. It's, it's, you know, it's suicidal. Yeah. So those IPs are not possible to, to, to tamper with. Also, uh, we have a, a botnet of our own uh, that is trust rank zero, the highest trust rank you can get, and that is validating the signals of others as well yeah, and electing the trust rank one people. So all of this works together. And last but not least, we are working on, an, on several AI uh, things uh, that will allow us to detect things, um, hackers that are using several machines as a cohort, like IPA, B, C, and D are working together spreading the work, the load uh, across themselves and, you know, attacking with a divided charge so that they go just under the threshold of detection. Mm. So we have things like this we're working on. We're also working on things like, um, um, yeah, well, it's a bit complicated. We are into it, so I don't want to spoil too much because I don't know myself enough on this to, you know, I would look stupid if I say something more on that. But there are smart guys working on this AI thing to confront and corroborate signals and uh, full, solve this problem. Okay. So would you say that the foundation of all of your technology is really this network and the intelligence of vetting the network? And then on top of that, you're stacking controls. Like you have the ability to not just block like SSH, but you could do really any type of incoming connection by evaluating the yeah. logs, right? 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, a recent example that the, the team pulled out lately, and I love it, is like they blocked this uh, level 7 DDoS attack. And not a small one, actually. It was 3 gigabyte of bandwidth, 600,000 uh, packets per second uh, on level 7 uh, layer. And actually, the tool did something really smart. The way it blocked it, it's really, really smart. So it's not just SSH brute force. It's not just FTP or uh, Active Directory, Samba, whatever brute force. It is that, yes. And it's a good first line of defense for this. But say, every attack starts with like a scan, for example, as simple as that. You know, so you can detect a scan in your network on the external periphery of your network. Uh, home, I use it because I don't trust anyone and anything. So I'm thinking maybe one day, I don't know, Sonos will be compromised. You know, maybe, who knows? Probably, maybe it's a question of time, right? And I have a lot of IoT devices like these cameras, speakers, connecting speakers and all. If you start, you know, putting limits and firewalling in between your phone and your app and whatever, it starts to not be as, you know, fancy, useful and nice as it, as it used to be. So instead of blocking them, for example, I'm using a canary. I have a scenario that is a canary. So if anyone is scanning within my LAN, I know that I have a rogue machine within my LAN. Maybe it's a friend of mine that brought a, a malware without knowing, mm -hmm. you know, and it's on my uh, guest network. So there's plenty of way you can use it. That's why I was referring to Metasploit of security. It's really crazy what you can do with the product. So from L7 DDoS to credential stuffing, credit card stuffing, credential brute force, you know, everything is open actually. We are passing logs uh, with growth patterns, can be any kind of logs, can be AWS trace, can be uh, syslog D, can be uh, uh, journal D, whatever, uh, EL keys, SIM logs and stuff, eventually even signals. And then you define the scenario you're looking for. That's the beauty of it. I'm looking for things that would scan my internal LAN, which would not be normal. And that would trigger an alarm for me and send me a pushover alarm. But it could be anything in any context, really. Okay, so um, let me try to break this apart. So it seems like there's three main components. There's like, there's the detection thing, which you're mostly looking at logs to do detections. You're parsing logs for detections. The second thing yep. is you can take an action based on seeing a whatever the thing is, right? So that's the main part of the platform, detection and response. And then the third component is knowledge of the network so that you know if something is, is uh, malicious or not uh, based on who it is uh, doing the actual activity. So it's like, it's like the, the network or the um, understanding of the internet, essentially, in terms of good or bad combined with detection, combined with action? Yeah, there are three main components. You're absolutely right. The first one would be the what we call the agent. So the agent is the one passing logs and applying scenarios. And it's also the one that is pulling those rogue IPs, uh, this blog list uh, from the API, the central API. So it's doing all of this for you. And if anything arises, it tells the bouncer, which is another component, to block or remedy with the threat. You don't have to block, actually. You can block on your firewall. This is what I'm doing at home. But say if you're a web shop, maybe you don't want to take any risk, maybe because like uh, IPv4, you know, net, context, maybe there are several people behind an IP. You don't want to be so rude with people. So what you send is a captcha, for example. You know, you have a dot during your uh, payment tunnel, you send a captcha. So that way you don't lose anyone. Or maybe you send a mobile factor authentication or multi-factor authentication. Or you say, okay, this IP, I'm not so sure 
the, the balancer will avoid you to go to uh, slash admin or slash WP admin or whatever your admin URL is, but it, it's, you can still go on the front website. There's no problem, for example. So it's really always just you know, passing this signal to a SecOps desk, like on a Slack channel, for example, or sending you an alarm on a pushover, whatever. I mean, the way you remedy is really contextual. We even have bouncers that are like, um, we are releasing a Magento bouncer soon, and we have already a WordPress bouncer. So they are really level seven aware. They know what you're doing in your app. So you can have like a way smarter way of filtering the problems that you encounter, like treat differently hackers from people that are uh, running boats to scavenge your uh, images or product, you know, and you can do, you can respond differently to those. Oh, that's, um, that's really interesting. Yep. Um, you guys should try to write some sort of um, pseudocode like policy editor so that someone can just say what you want to do and it would automatically hook into the various components. That's, that's on the way. Um, that's why we revised the system and we have now a local API that is running probably supposedly in your premises, even though some customers asked us to host this for them. So basically the local API is gathering the signals from the agent, all right, and then instructing the balancers. Um, that's cool because it allows us to have a, some sort of like abstraction layer and we can do whatever we want with this, including enforcing a policy, right? Um, and we are preparing those uh, premium features like you can edit security groups, security policies, and apply one on the other. Say, for example, on this kind of website of mine, I don't want those activities. On those corporate websites, I don't care much about like, uh, you know, getting anyone that would come. Uh, on my core network, it's a high sensitivity area. I don't want to take any risks whatsoever. And there's a last component we didn't talk about, which is a global API. So this is the API that we are harnessing uh, the power of the crowd with. So this API will just answer you yes, no, whether you should trust or not an IP, give you some insights on an IP. We're working on, um, I'm, I'm, giving you so, I'm giving you so many <laughs> like a topic thing. Um, we're working on a browser plugin uh, and this plugin would allow you if you highlight an IP somewhere in whatever back office to directly query our database and get information about what we know about this IP. So maybe we don't broadcast this IP yet because we have not reached a level of certainty in the network that makes it so that we deem this IP is really bad and you should block it. But nevertheless, we know things about it. We have half a million mm -hmm. IP, IP already in the base. So you highlight it and we tell you, Dan, this IP, we saw it like yesterday doing like cross-site scripting on a site. We don't trust it. Mm. You know? So yeah, there are plenty of ways of um, using this uh, crowd knowledge. Yeah, very cool. So what um, types of tools do you see this platform replacing? Or is it a supplement to them? Well, we, we play nice with pretty much everyone. We don't intend to have like any kind of conflict with everyone. We think like, for example, let's take firewalls, right? We could reinforce firewalls a lot. If the people want to just integrate our IP sets or our NF table sets, sets or whatever, they can use this for free. And that, that will make them considerably uh, more efficient. And we are not a firewall editor as such. So we are not going to confront them anytime soon. So it can reinforce a firewall. It can reinforce uh, something like a nature proxy uh, installment or, or you know, similar proxies that we have, like traffic or things like this. Or it can go into your SIEM. You know, you edit a SIEM, then you S-I-E-M, -S sorry, because my accent might not be understandable for Americans. So 
you can reinforce you know the knowledge in your logs in your CM uh, tools so that your customer get a better insight of what it is and whether it's a threat or not. You can reinforce your SOC team with this. Uh, you can uh, leverage it directly into a firmware on an IoT device if you want. So we don't think we are really replacing someone. We don't think we are like something like that already exists. We are some sort of IPS, you know, intrusion prevention system. This thing is a bit like old school. People don't talk much about it anymore. They are all into this EDR, XDR, smart, whatever. Mm -hmm. The reality of it is we are an IPS. We prevent intrusions, and we are a swarm CTI on top of that. This is how I define us, I think, the most accurately. So I don't think we are actually replacing. We could replace product, like CTI products, obviously. Um, we could replace like an all outdated uh, um, IPS program. But I think rather, uh, like, we will reinforce all existing components with the knowledge of the crowd. This is how I see it. Yeah, that's interesting. You also mentioned Metasploit, though, which its whole advantage is the fact that it's modular. So it's almost like IPS, a modular IPS that's kind of like a framework like Metasploit. Um, can you give any examples of, like, really cool things that you've seen users do or customers do? Yeah, and those are the best stories. This is uh, what I prefer. We have seen a Turk guy very early uh, in the back in time do protecting himself against a level 7 DDoS on IPTV system. Um, he had really problems like uh, with a botnet of 3,000 machines, but the attack was pretty simple and dumb, so it was easy to find it in the logs and block the IPs one by one, and in under a minute, he folded the attack. So now we have a better system for this anti-DDoS thing, but it gave us the uh, original idea, if I may. Uh, we have a German company, Scale Commerce, extremely good guys, super good, you know, at this uh, scale whenever you want, when you do a private sales or whatever, and you, you get a spike in traffic. Uh, we will handle it. Don't worry about that. So uh, Tommy from Scale, he told me, like, we have a problem now with people that are booking those very fancy sneakers with boats, right? Yeah. Well, like with PlayStation 5 or Xbox Scarlet, you know, or, or GeForce, RTX, whatever. You cannot book them because there are boats buying them. Mm -hmm. And then the guys uh, resell them on eBay uh, to make a profit, right? So we have a lot of those um, problems with those boats booking the product and reserving them and auto-buying, right? Yeah. So we are dealing with this lately with them. We're, the team is working together with them to find uh, proper scenarios to block them. And we start to have really good success here. And I think we will you know, be able to, to release those scenarios for everyone for the largest number uh, to solve their problems. Another one find, funny we had is a hacker was using around 3,000 IPs as well to do credit card stuffing uh, on a t-shirt uh, website. And not a small t-shirt website. Like they were selling something like several per second, you know. Uh, so quite a large place. And um, he was stuffing the credit card numbers and doing microtransaction of like $0.10, mm. $0.12, you know, that go unseen on your bank uh, statement. But that would nevertheless allow him to validate the credit card number. <coughs> so the cool part is, we could block those and uh, burn the 3,000 IPs for, for this website and for others because the guys was actually uh, aggressing others. And you know the cost of those microtransactions for the site uh, stacked up to 20K euros. Uh, so there were real damages in the real world done with this. Um, you know, those are kind of, I, I have other examples, but there's even a Canadian guy, quite crazy. 
um, he told me that, you know what, we have planes, and those planes have like uh, transponders, and they give their speed, heading, uh, altitude, the engine uh, healthy, uh, health state, mm -hmm. uh, and every switch that the pilot triggers in the cockpit in modern planes is also wired down to the ground. And they have logs. So basically, your plane is spitting logs. Mm. And it was telling me that if you, if you go from, for example, from Denver to Washington, the, the, the variation of one flight path and the number of switches you trigger and the plane engine status and stuff, it varies of less than you know, 2%. So every plane going from Denver, Denver to Washington is pretty much doing the exact same thing. Every pilot is doing the exact same thing. So he told me like, we could make scenarios to see if there's something going astray mm. from a classical route that would tell us that the plane is either in a problem, like in jeopardy because of a mechanical problem, or maybe because the, the pilot is under constraints or duress or whatever, you know? So people are creating the use cases with the product. This yeah. is what we love the best. Yeah, I love that. Well, this is very cool. Can you tell us uh, any uh, new stuff that's coming out? anytime soon, any announcements, PR, um, and where we can find out more? Yeah, sure. Uh, so what we will release soon and what we are releasing, I think it will be this week. Huh? Um, so first of all, we are upstream in Debian. So you can now install us in Debian Bullseye with just apt get install, which is cool. Um, we have a repo of all our packages uh, that is really cool because then you can install on whatever BSD, uh, ARM processor, so we have recompiled every package so, to make it super easy for everyone. We have a Windows port coming for Windows environments, which is unlikely and unexpected, I guess. And um, we have a console, a web console that is coming that you could, uh, where you could enroll your instances. I'll, let me give you an example on this, a visual example. But, um, you know, this is a console that will help you seeing everything that is happening uh, at your place. Uh, with all your instances of CrowdSec being registered there and, and pumping the alerts so you can have a macro overview of whatever is happening uh, and if someone is like hammering you. And this is actually the embryo of what will become the uh, premium feature. Mm. Very cool. And yeah, and so as for where you can join us, there is a Gitter uh, uh, account where you can join us and have a live talk with the guys. You can also see us, uh, discuss with us on Discourse and obviously on GitHub, which is our main uh, you know, hub for whatever is happening. Oh, that's very cool. Awesome. Well, um, I think at this point, I would definitely be done eating. Hopefully we could do this next time with an actual lunch and we'll bring like a portable microphone. Yeah, <laughs> that would be cool. And I hope I'll be able to join you in US guys uh, next year or early next year. Next year, I'm pretty sure if the uh, sanitary condition uh, allows, I'll be back to US and be delighted to, to meet you uh, in person with anyone you want uh, to have this discussion live. Really. Awesome. Well, thank you, Philippe. This, is, uh, this has been good and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Thank you, Dan. See you. Okay, take care. All right. Thanks for listening to this episode of Unsupervised Learning. If you're not a member already, please consider signing up at danielmeisler.com slash subscribe. Members get the newsletter every week instead of twice a month, as well as access to the UL Slack channel and our private RSS feed for member-only content. Either way, if you enjoy the show, please share it with your friends. We'll see you next time.